Okay, so <laughs> that's not a great way to start. I don't know why I keep saying okay. This is going to be Modern Love 6, and it's called To Fall in Love With Anyone, Do This. The illustration is a woman, like, looking into a pupil of an eye. It's very, like, looking like her head is inside. It's very strange. I can't describe it. Her head's inside the pupil of an eye, but the eye is, like, disembodied. It's like a wall. And she's looking through, like, a hole in the wall. But the hole is a pupil. Does that make sense? <laughs> um... If you want some context for when I'm reading this, I have 12 minutes until my French class. I thought, and I've just finished reading three chapters of Sword House 5, which is such a good book. I really, really like it. Um, I think I will devour it pretty quickly, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, I've been out in the sun. I've been trying to get a tan so that I can catch up to you. And your levels of, you know, being gorgeous. Although that's not really possible. Um, but yeah, and I thought, what what perfect timing would it be to read Modern Love right now, just before my French class. And if I overrun a little bit, so be it. <laughs> Honestly, what are they going to do? Like, so be it. Um... I'd rather read this now than cut into our precious Harry Potter time, if you know what I'm saying. So, To Fall in Love With Anyone, Do This, by Mandy Lynn Catron. More than 20 years ago, a psychologist, Arthur Aaron, succeeded in making two strangers fall in love in his laboratory. Last summer, I applied his technique in my own life, which is how I found myself standing on a bridge at midnight, staring into a man's eyes for exactly four minutes. <laughs> Let me explain. Earlier in the evening, that man had said, I suspect, given a few commonalities, you could fall in love with anyone. If so, how do you choose someone? He was a university acquaintance I occasionally ran into at the climbing gym and had thought, what if I had gotten a glimpse into his days on Instagram? But this was the first time we had hung out one-on-one. -on -one. Actually, psychologists have tried making have tried making people fall in love, I said, remembering Dr. Aaron's study. It's fascinating. I've always wanted to try it. I first read about the study when I was in the midst of a breakup. Each time I thought of leaving, my heart overruled my brain. I felt stuck. So, like a good academic, I turned to science, hoping there was a way to love smarter. I explained the study to my university acquaintance. A heterosexual man and woman... <laughs> disgusting enter the lab through separate doors. They sit face to face and answer a series of increasingly personal questions. Then they stare silently into each other's eyes for four minutes. The most tantalising detail? Six months later, two participants were married. They invited the entire lab to the ceremony. It's really interesting. I actually don't know what I think about this. I have seen, I've actually genuinely seen loads and loads of these videos. I used to love like I don't know, I thought I'm kind of obsessed with... Okay, obsessed is a bit much, but the idea of, like, how you fall in love. Because it's just such, like, an inexplicable feeling. And, like, the people who you fancy necessarily aren't necessarily the ones that you would fall in love with. Like, a lot of a lot of your intuitions about love are just wrong. Or the, like, love that you try and force or that you, th you think you can make happen just doesn't happen. But the ones that you don't expect are the ones that work the best and happen. Like, you. 
we met a little bit before we actually got to know each other. And, like, I don't think, I don't think when we, you know, saw each other for the first few times or, like, got to know each other, we thought, oh, yeah, that's the one I'm going to, like, be madly in love with in, like, a year or several years or my entire life, you know? Anyway, let's try it, he said. Let me acknowledge the ways our experiment already fails to line up with a study. First, we were in a bar, not a lab. Second, we weren't strangers. Not only that, but I see now that one neither suggests nor agrees to try an experiment designed to create romantic love if one isn't open to this happening. I googled Dr. Aaron's questions. There are 36. We spent the next two hours passing my iPhone across the table, alternately posing each other, alternately posing each question. I would actually quite like to do those, I think. They began innocuously. Would you like to be famous? In what way? And when did you last sing to yourself, to someone else? But they quickly became probing. In response to the prompt, name three things you and your partner appear to have in common, he looked at me and said, I think we're both interested in each other. I grinned and gulped my beer as he listed two more commonalities I then promptly forgot. We exchanged stories about the last time we each cried and confessed the one thing we'd like to ask a fortune teller. We explained our our relationships and our mothers. The questions reminded me of the infamous boiling frog experiment in which the frog doesn't feel the water getting hotter until it's too late. Oh no, ew. With us, I can't believe that's called that. With us, because the level of vulnerability increased gradually, I didn't notice we had entered intimate territory until we were already there, a process that can typically take weeks or months. I liked learning about myself through my answers, but I liked learning things about him even more. The bar, which was empty when we arrived, had filled up by the time we paused for a bathroom break. I sat alone at our table, aware of my surroundings for the first time in an hour, and wondered if anyone had been listening to our conversation. If they had, I hadn't noticed. And I didn't notice as the crowd thinned and the night got late. We all have a narrative of ourselves that we offer up to strangers and acquaintances, but Dr Aaron's questions make it impossible to rely on that narrative. Ours was the kind of accelerated intimacy I remembered from summer camp, staying up all night with a new friend, exchanging the details of our short lives. At 13, away from home for the first time, it felt natural to get to know someone quickly. But rarely does adult life present us with such circumstances. Yeah, I think think university is different. I think maybe if you're an adult and you sort of have a busy schedule and whatever, but in university, like... Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the people. Like, lots of people... When they start dating, they see each other, like, maybe a, a couple of times a week. Like, from us, it went to from zero to, like, always in touch to then, like, always hanging out. So it was kind of... So, yeah, this is... The, I mean, when we said I love you, when we said I love you, it was, it was not that long into a relationship. But I think at that point it was completely fair because we had been so intimate with each other for so long already by that point it's just that we just didn't have the gaps in between those moments that would normally prolong it hot takes the moments i found most uncomfortable were not when i had to make confessions about myself but had to venture opinions about my partner for example alternate sharing something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner a total of five items brackets question 22 and tell your partner what you like about them 
Be very honest this time, saying things you might not say to someone you've just met. Question 28. Much of Dr. Aaron's research focuses on creating interpersonal closeness. In particular, several studies investigate the way the ways we incorporate others into our sense of self. It's easy to see how the questions encourage what they call self-expansion. Saying things like, I like your voice, your taste in beer, the way all your friends seem to admire you, makes certain positive qualities belonging to one person explicitly valuable to the other. It's astounding, really, to hear what someone admires in you. I don't know why we don't go around thoughtfully complimenting one another all the time. We finished at midnight, taking far longer than the 90 minutes for the original study. Looking around the bar, I felt as if I had just woken up. That wasn't so bad, I said. Definitely less uncomfortable than the staring into each other's eyes part would be. He hesitated and asked, Do you think we should do that too? Here? I looked around the bar. It seemed too weird, too public. We could stand on the bridge, he said, turning toward the window. The night was warm and I was wide awake. I walked to the highest point. We, 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 I can't speak. (laughs) We walked to the highest point, then turned to face each other. I fumbled with my phone as I set the timer. Okay, I said, inhaling sharply. Okay, he said, smiling. I've skied steep, I've skied steep slopes. That's so hard today. I've skied steep slopes and hung from a rock face by a short length of rope, but staring to someone's eyes for four minutes, for four silent minutes, was one of the most thrilling and terrifying experiences of my life. I spent the first couple of minutes just trying to breathe properly. There was a lot of nervous smiling until, eventually, we settled in. I know the eyes are the window to the soul, or whatever, but the real crux of the moment was not just that I was really seeing someone, but that I was, a se- I was seeing someone really seeing me. Once I embraced the terror of this realisation and gave it time to subside, I arrived somewhere unexpected. I felt brave and in a state of wonder. Part of that wonder was at my own vulnerability and part part was the weird kind of wonder you get from saying a word over and over until it loses its meaning and becomes what it actually is, an assemblage of sounds. So it was with the eye, which is not a window to anything but rather a clump of very useful cells, Oh, so, so it was with the eye. Not so, yeah, okay. The sentiment associated with the eye fell away, and I was struck by its astounding biological reality. <laughs> the spherical nature of the eyeball, the visible musculature of the iris, and the smooth white glass of the cornea. It was strange and exquisite. When the timer buzzed, I was surprised and a little relieved. But I also felt a sense of loss. Already I was beginning to see our evening through the surreal and unreliable lens of retrospect. Most of us think about love as something that happens to us. We fall, we get crushed. But what I like about this study is how it assumes that love is an action. It assumes that what matters to my partner matters to me because we have at least three things in common, because we have close relationships with our mothers and because he let me look at him. I wondered what would come of our interaction. If nothing else, it would make a good story. But I see now that the story isn't about us. It's about what it means to bother to know someone, which is really a story about what it means to be known. Wow. Wow. Thoughts. Ah. It's true you can't choose who loves you, although I've spent years hoping otherwise. And you can't create romantic feelings based on convenience alone. Science tells us biology matters. 
our pheromones and hormones do a lot of work behind the scenes. But despite all this, I've begun to think love is a more pliable thing than we make it out to be. Arthur Aaron's study taught me that it's possible, simple even, to generate trust and intimacy, the feeling, feelings love need, needs to thrive. You're probably wondering if he and I fell in love. Well, we did. Although it's hard to credit the study entirely, it may have happened anyway. The study did give us a way into a relationship that feels deliberate. We spent weeks in the intimate space we created that night, waiting to see what it would become. Love didn't happen to us. We're in love because we each made the choice to be. I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. And then at the bottom it says, like, Mandy Lencatron teaches writing at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver and is working on a book about the dangers of love stories. Ooh. Ooh. I've got goosebumps. Ah. Love is an action. Love didn't happen to us. We're in love because we each made the choice to be. I think that's actually true as well. Because even though, like... Like, I think the reason we're so in love now is because when we hung out, we felt, I think, mm, I'm not sure. The reason why we enjoyed at the start spending time with each other was for some reason we felt comfortable with each other, which wasn't necessarily, like, proactively created. It's just that, like, we clicked for some reason. But clicking doesn't necessarily mean love. I mean, we clicked in that we felt super comfortable around each other. And then because of that, we got to know each other very well, very quickly. But even then, like, when we decided to become girlfriends, like, that was a big step. And at that point, like, I I don't think we were in love. We were just like, do we want to... Do you want to actively do this? Hmm. Very interesting to think about. Very spooky. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe you find this all, like... Yeah, duh, whatever. But I would actually really like to, to do the, the questions. I think it would be fun. And stare, gaze into your beautiful blue eyes. Mm, I like that one. I like it, I like it. I, I, I hate to say it, but I like it. Like, the ones which are fun and quirky are great, but the ones which are, like, you realise some, like, deep, meaningful truth about life really get me. Like, the goosebumps, the whole shebang, everything's there. Wow. Um, I hope you like that. Please, please let me know what you think. Like, um, you know, when you, when you finish listening to this, maybe if you're listening to this just before you're going to sleep and you're going to sleep, then, then good night, baby. But, um, you know, message me in the morning with what your thoughts are. What the vibe is. I'm just like, yeah, I'm curious what you think of them. Because I, I have the <laughs> freedom to express myself as much as I want. Because I'm the one sitting in front of a phone right now with the voice notes up in front of me. But I would be curious to, to hear what you think as well. Um, but yeah, I did hope you enjoyed that. I do hope you enjoyed that still. <laughs> and I will speak to you very soon. From the point of um, me recording this and also from the point of you listening to this. And I hope you sleep very well and think of me and think of us like a year ago when we first got to know each other. Wow. I wonder what we were doing on this exact day one year ago.
So I think I could find that out. Um, one sec. Ah, okay. So on the 6th of May 2019, that was a Monday, and the 7th of May was Ewan's birthday. So that was when we properly started, like from the 7th of May onwards, that's when we probably started seeing each other in person. But I went to, I went and got hot chocolate with Felix on the 3rd of May. So on the 6th of May, we likely were just like texting casually. So no, nothing, so everything, everything was just super chill at this point. Nothing was, nothing big was happening yet. Wow. Good. Exciting. Wow, tomorrow was the big day. Tomorrow was the, <laughs> tomorrow evening more specifically. Yeah, no, we were, we were texting pretty well at this point. Cool. Good to know. Okie dokie. I'll let you go to sleep now. Um, I love you very, very much. I'm so glad that we chose to fall in love with each other. Good night, my love. <laughs>